What's poppin' everybody? This is Logan Murdoch from Real Ones, and I have some big news to share. On Saturday, February 18th, the Ringer NBA show will be hitting the road for All-Star Weekend for a live show in Salt Lake City. You heard that right. We are taping the pod in front of a live audience in Salt Lake next month, and we want you to join us. Pull up on us at the Stateroom in the heart of downtown Salt Lake. You can grab your tickets now at thestateroom.com. That's thestateroom.com. Doors open at 9 o'clock. Show is at 10. It's going to be a 21 and up event. Come hang with the gang and chat. Mid-season updates, draft preview, and even have a Q&A with us. Space is limited, so grab your tickets while they last at thestateroom.com. Hope to see y'all in there. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Burno! How's your Thursday night going right now? Yes, we are recording this on Thursday evening. So yeah, uh, very good night of basketball because we are recording before the late games right after the conclusion of the Boston-Knicks game. So leading into this game on TNT, they were promoting rivalry week. And Shaq and Kenny and Charles and Adam all were kind of goofing about it. And it made me think, Kevin, you are younger than I. When you see rivalry week and the Celtics and the Knicks, can only imagine all of those games and all of those memories it conjures up for you, thinking back to all those huge Knicks-Celtics games. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, does this now, when you're trying to concoct, like, rivalry week, and I get it, it's the oldest rivalry, they did a good job at attempting to explain it's kind of like, say, like Packers-Bears, though the Packers have dominated it. They've played the longest. They've played against each other for an amount of time. But one of the things that we have bemoaned over the years is the lack of rivalries and real, like, deep-seated feelings t- 
towards each other. And part of that is because the, you know, the names, the faces, the jerseys are interchangeable all too regularly. Um, that seems to be changing a little bit with a lot of the guys that are the great players in the league being in the uniforms that they are in. And they, you know, there's been a course correction on that where you feel like a lot of guys are in the same uniforms, especially the franchise guys for a long, long time. But when you're trying to think around like, hey, what are the real rivalries that we have in the NBA right now? I guess that's just what you end up with. Like, hey, these teams have played against each other for 75 years. So let's just put that on. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like referencing, you know, battles in the 70s and the 80s. And of course, you know, back in the early days of the NBA in the 50s and 60s. But, you know, in my childhood, you know, growing up for the Celtics, there was no rivalry. I mean, none at all. There was the, they faced each other in the first round twice in the early 2010s. Boston swept the first one. The Knicks won the other one in like five or six games. I mean, there's just a first round matchup against teams that hadn't really had much of a history because the Celtics sucked in the 90s when the Knicks were good. And the Knicks have not been <laughs> really much of anything ever since then. So yeah. there's been no rivalry for really 30 years now between the Knicks and the Celtics, which is a real shame considering, you know, that long history. When you think about the rich history of the NBA, it has not continued at all. Well, maybe, just maybe, we might end up getting a playoff series between these two. It could, po It's in the cards. It's possible. It could yeah. happen. It, it could really happen with the way that the standings are. And this was, I thought, a great basketball game to watch. Um, up and I down, said, up and down. Yeah, up and down. Lots of action. It wasn't stopped all the time with the refs getting too grossly involved and pretty good flow to it. Guys making plays, guys taking good shots, guys taking goofy shots. And then, you know, as it gets to the fourth quarter and you've got this big Knicks lead with about five minutes to go, I'm watching my Knicks fans that I follow saying, here we go again. Tom Thibodeau, stagnant offense, no Could answers. feel it coming. They could feel it coming. Oh, no. And it ends up going to overtime, and they're able to pull away. And it's one of those that, honestly, in the moment, would have felt like that. I feel like it would have been extraordinarily crushing to lose that game because I thought the Knicks played so well in that game. And then you get to about five minutes left to go and it flips on them completely. And they're able to get the win in overtime thanks to some Jalen Brown missed free throws. And I don't want to just put it all on him, but that that's the biggest ones, right? I mean, he had the chance to flip it there at the end and the outcome remains with the, with, with the Knicks winning that thing. And I don't know. I, I, w I was wildly entertained. I, if that's what the games would be like, I certainly would sign up to watch a bunch of those when we get to the postseason. Yeah, it'd be fun if we or we end up getting that. And with Randall playing at the the past All NBA level once again, the last couple months now, the last month plus, and Jalen Brunson looking like such a critical building block for the Knicks, uh, playing at an All Star level in his own right. He may not, you know, he probably doesn't make the team, but he's playing uh, as as an All Star caliber point guard. He could. Um, he could. he could. He very well could. I mean, it's a deep, deep class. I mean, we'll talk about All-Star soon, but um, 
I mean, like the Knicks had a lot of quality talent. Emmanuel Quickly, who we talked about on Tuesday with how great he's been defensively this year for the Knicks. He had a huge night off the bench for the, for, for them tonight. And Obi Toppin, it's been up and down with him in terms of getting consistent minutes. And that's that's a tough part for Knicks fans to have to deal with because you see the flashes of him when he gets regular minutes and opportunity. Tonight was one of those big moments. He had a big shot down the stretch of the game. You know, only plays 16 minutes, but the Knicks have a lot of talent, man, up and down their roster. Um, you know, a lot of good building lots, a lot of good pieces. But what they, what they really need is... is <laughs> I saw those Knicks fans jumping on you about IQ. Oh, yeah, I mean, jumping on us. You're the... Yeah. I didn't say anything about building blocks. I don't even use that I don't phrase. Know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I didn't think I did you're, either. You're I didn't think I did either block. I, until I listened. <laughs> until I listened back block. to the podcast, I was like, "Really? I didn't know I used that phrase." <laughs> uh, Knicks fans love love their young players. Love their I, role I, players. I, I listened back to that, and I'm like, <laughs> "We were really like heap praising quickly. We like really were giving him love." But anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks have a lot of good talent. And, uh, I mean, I think for Tibbs, the final stretch of that game, man, when Boston was trapping or doubling Brunson when he was bringing the ball up the floor, getting it out of his hands, it felt like Tibbs was making zero adjustments at all. Nobody else was initiating offense. There was no answer to it. It was just so stagnant. And uh, it's, it's almost shocking. Like, when you watch the game, like, just in that, you know, three, four-minute stretch, you think there's no way New York wins this game. No way. And, and yeah. it even is kind of surprising they ended up pulling that out. But that speaks to the way, you know, the players performed in overtime. They deserve all the credit for that victory, I'd say. Well, and you always got to get guys that can step up. And we thought this is going to be really tough for them without Mitchell Robinson. We knew how essentially was to what they did. And Jericho Sims with the 14 rebounds. Oh yeah, in he the game. Did. Sims is fun. I, Might I was be texting. a building block. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I was, I was, I was texting with a source a couple weeks back about Sims. Yeah, like after after Mitchell Robinson went out, and he's like, "Yo, you know, Sims." Like you, you, we had talked about him prior. Sims has been good. Like when he ever gets opportunities, he's shooting over eighty percent from the field this season. Seventy percent last year as a rookie. He does not miss around the basket. Uh, he had the big block at the end of the game. I mean, Sims Sims has some talent, dude. He does. Like he's a high flying athlete, active hustles, and you know I think we're seeing a lot of uh, him. You know, showing what he can do for the Knicks in that game tonight against Boston. He played big minutes, man. Yeah, fourteen rebounds, a big night, and four offensive rebounds. He has not he has not missed a shot since January eighteenth. So that's in. Four straight games, he's shooting a hundred percent. Well, he dunks it every time. I know, but I know, but like, but I know, but guys who are at the rim don't always shoot at that high of a percentage. Is all I'm saying. It's all like right. it, there's the shots he takes. Oh, like he. Well, hell, I hope he'd make a hundred percent. He 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 is an, a literally a like we use the phrase above the rim. He is literally an above the rim guy. He might be an above the backboard guy. Did that not feel like we were about to get a Jason Tatum? Game winner, though. Oh, it did, yeah. It just after felt the, like it was all quarter, set yeah. up, especially after he was named an all-star starter before yep. the game, and they're yep. talking about how awesome he is and this guy, and this guy's just a killer. And after they'd gotten the thing to overtime, it like really felt like Tatum's going to pull up. 
and they're going to win this game, and that's going to be the story of this game. And instead, the Knicks get the win. So I mentioned that he was named an all-star starter right after the all-star starters were announced. And in the Eastern Conference, uh, you had Donovan Mitchell and Kyrie Irving as the backcourt. And then the front court being Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is going to be a captain for the game, along with Jason Tatum uh, and... Who am I missing? It wasn't Embiid. Kevin Durant. They, yeah, Durant. Because Embiid got left out. And the reaction was like really strong, I thought, immediately about Embiid not being an all-star starter. His numbers are crazy. I think he should be. I, I had him as, as a starter on my ballot. I left Durant off because of games missed. That's it. I'm a bit surprised. I mean, the media... Last year really drove, you know, the Marcus Smart Defensive Player of the Year train. Like, that that was hard at the end of the season. It's a lot of Tatum for MVP stuff, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I was surprised, you know. I, oh, I am saying it's wrong. I wouldn't vote Tatum as MVP right now. Um, but, like, it's too early to say whether that's going to end up being the choice or not. But I was surprised that Tatum led the media vote for the East front court. He had 82 media votes. Giannis had 80. Durant had... 67, and then Embiid had 68. So Embiid actually had one more in the media vote. But Tatum was fourth in the player vote, uh, third in the fan vote. It's just very interesting how it seems like the media is higher on Tatum than fans and players. Well, I think that... Uh, here, let's just say this about the about the games played thing. You know, Durant, I want to give him credit because he doesn't sit. He does not at all, no. He doesn't sit. He's out for injury. He has actually, weirdly, played more games than Joel Embiid. I know, isn't that crazy? For what it's worth, I was kind of voting, like, in advance. Like, yeah, by, yeah, by All-Star Weekend, you know, he will have more games. But you're right, he's played more still, which is insane. Yeah, right now, Embiid has played 35 of 47 games. Yeah. So he's missed, you know, what, almost... Well, I mean, almost a quarter of his team's games. Yep. Which is crazy to think about because you don't, I mean, you don't think of this being an injury play season by any means for him. Um, and I went through and looked at all of them because I know this has been a huge subject recently about guys sitting out and load management and everything else. And I thought Richard Jefferson, very good on ESPN today with his impassioned speech about it and growing up as a kid, going to games and how he always thought of that. Um, and so I went and looked it up. Kyrie has played 36 of 47. These are the all-star starters. Donovan Mitchell has played 41 of 49. Tatum, as of tonight, that was 50 games, has played 47 of the 50. Durant, 39 of 47. Giannis, 37 of 48. So Tatum, by a wide margin, has played the highest percentage. And then I do think you got to give Mitchell a little bit of a break simply because his aren't rest. His are his are injury when he hasn't been able to play this year. It's not like Donovan Mitchell is regularly taking rest nights. And MB still, he's played less games than Kyrie. Mm -hmm. It is kind of crazy. To, yeah. I mean, like, I get it. And Embiid is having this unbelievable season, and if somebody wants to argue he should be in the All-Star starters and somebody else shouldn't, 
then by all means, I'm not going to fight. I just think that he he is he is one heck of an example of what we talk about all the time, all time, which is that like you don't know, you know, one out of every four games, you if you had tickets to see him, you didn't see him this year. On the other side, it was Luca Curry, Zion, Jokic, and LeBron. LeBron's played 39 of 49. Jokic has played 42 of 49. Curry's played 33 of 48. Luca's played 44 of 49. And Zion has played 29 of 49. So, look, Jokic, Luca, Tatum, there's your highest percentage guys. Like that, on average, you were more than likely you were going to get to see them play in person if you had tickets to a game or if you tuned them in for that matter. And, you know, I mentioned a couple of those guys. Injury is injury. Is injury. You're going to miss games because you're injured. It's not just taking nights off here and there. Um, you, you know what stood out the most to me of everything on all the ballots? Trey Young, 12th in player vote for guards. Only 13 votes, equal to Tyler Hero, less than Zach Levine, Drew Holiday, Jalen Brunson, LaMelo Ball. I would have, I would have expected Trey to get more love from players, but he didn't get it. 12th in the player vote. Shocking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, very popular with fans. Fifth in fan vote. He's a highest selling jersey and all that. Um, well, I mean, but there play, were a lot player, of those. Players don't see it the same way because well, they're, go- they're going against them when he's on defense. Yeah, but on the other side, look at, say, Kyrie and read his Kyrie, arm. yeah. No, number one in player rank, number one in fan rank, number four in media rank. So what does that tell you? <laughs> the media doesn't feel like the players or the fans. Yeah. About Kyrie Irving. They've got a, and, and look, let's be fair. There's a lot of media that are, uh, you know, stand on a moral high ground when it comes to stuff, or they, you know, um, they're dug in on their opinions. Like, in the end, I think players have always thought Kyrie Irving is amazing, and fans love watching him play. Yeah. And he's famous. He's super famous. He's a recognizable name, and that inevitably helps you on a ballot, just like Zion. Zion has absolutely no business being an all-star starter. We all freely admit that. When you've played 29 of 49 games, you should not be a starter instead of, say, DeMontis Sabonis, who's got, uh, who is leading his team this year to the, what, third best record in the Western Conference at this point and has been incredibly available all year long for that team. Um, but he does, he's not nearly as famous. And so, I mean, he's gonna, you know, the fan bone, fan vote got him actually media vote, I think did good for Sabonis. So you could tell media voters thought more highly of Sabonis than the other two. Well, how about like the, the other side of that Sabonis trade, Tyrese Halliburton, he, yeah. he was third in media rank, um, behind Jalen Brown and Donovan Mitchell. I had Halliburton as a starter. I was surprised that he didn't get the nod. I mean, Halliburton is the Pacers. He 
is their system. He's the engine of everything and the success that team has had this season. He's 20 and 10, elite efficiency, doesn't turn the ball over, good on defense. Uh, Halliburton wasn't voted a starter, but he damn well deserves to make the team. Oh, for sure. And, and, and I thought Gilgis Alexander, his voting, you know, I think he's even more deserving. He's having even a better season than maybe, but he's obviously going to be an all-star. And if you want to say he should be an all-star starter, you know, I mean, the, the problem is in the Western Conference for any of those guys, whether it's Gilgis Alexander or Morant or anybody else, you're kicking out either Luka or Curry. And that's not happening. Yeah. Do you, you think, what I mean? um, well, what's your, what's your take on the positions? I mean, like you got Luca listed as a guard, you got LeBron listed as front court, like, like you get Brown listed as a guard, but Tatum listed as front court. Like for some of those guys, it's really tough to distinguish with what they actually do and wh- what, what slot they belong in. How, like, do you think maybe, I don't know, how would you, how would you handle it in the future? I guess this is one of those things that comes up dependent upon who is in the league, right? So Shaq gave this impassioned speech about how Embiid should be there and there should be the center position. You just eliminated the big man position. So there's going to be that opinion, at least from, yeah, I, but I that, don't know. But, but he's, he's wrong about that, though, because if they, if, whether, if they added center, sure, he would have been voted starter. But That's what if, he was saying. It, but, but if they removed positions, he also would have been voted starter. Like That's the that's flip fair. side of it. He would have been a starter. That's fair. He would have been, he would have had more than the guards even? Yeah, it, it likely, I believe it probably would have been him over Mitchell or Kyrie. Well, I mean, they've got their, like, whatever that is. Like, you know, that little point total that's next to it. So was his point total, his point total was higher? Well, no, because the way the vote was structured, because he was in the front court with Giannis uh, and Katie and Tatum. Yeah. But, but if it were, like, total players and all that, you know, total number of votes, if you're voting without positions, then yeah, like he, I, I would have expected him to be a starter. Like he would have been fourth or fifth instead of you know fourth in the front court. Yeah, I don't really get torn up about the whole like how they get there. It, it and also doesn't really matter. Decision. It really doesn't matter too much who starts. It's just it's like you're in all all stars. It's a it's it's certainly a feather in your cap to be an all star starter. Absolutely. Yeah, but with the way the vote is, the way it's structured, when you right. get you know players voting for Quentin Grimes and Luke Cornett are getting votes. Yeah, like just to name two players from tonight's game that we were just watching. I mean, when I, I gotta be honest, I was kind of impressed with that. It feels to me, just by looking at it, the players took it much more seriously than I would have suspected. Honestly, <laughs> I have been. I, I will tell you, I have been with players when they filled out their ballot back in the day. And they just would not, they refused to give anybody any credit. They would just vote for freaking Luke Ridenauer and whoever, like you name it. Just to, and their teammates and <laughs> if they could, if they, or, or former teammates. Chet Holmgren, like Chet Holmgren got four votes. <laughs> I mean, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, so I, I'm not saying everybody across the board. It is funny, it but, why, but why is he even on the ballot? Like, yeah, like I, why? Why is Marcus Morris on the ballot? I have no idea. You know, it's like well, you know, I just I don't think I just think you know those players. All so Jokic could mockingly vote for him or something? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's goofy. And who knows? But I, um, yeah, I don't really care how you yeah. do it. You know, I, I mean, I, ulti- ultimately the teams are pretty good. Like they're pretty close. I, I'm not stressing too hard about it at all. 
This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, so the way they announced this, for those that don't know, is that this year, instead of doing the TNT thing, which did end, end up having some great drama this will when be they better. were picking teams, this is going to be even better because the two captains, LeBron and Giannis, are going to go out on the court, and it's just like you're playing pickup. The only way this won't work is if they actually did it in advance. That's how that that then it won't be cool. Oh, uh, that that won't be cool. They got to do it organically, in my opinion. Oh, uh, if they pick wait. in advance, I think that's going to take all the fun out of it. It'll just be lame. Here's one thing that went through my mind, though, Kevin. You know they're always about the almighty dollar sign, right? Mm-hmm. So I saw somebody posted like the jerseys. I don't like them. That's neither here nor there. I don't like them. I think they look cheap again. That's my opinion. I like the old school ones, like the ones that they, you know, I, I like the retro looking ones. And I felt like they took a lot more time with the jerseys long ago. Oh, I, don't, oh, I see. Okay. I so don't like the, the, the they blue. They look cheap the to blue. me. Yeah, yeah, they're all right. They're they look whatever. They look like a, the, the, something that they give you a gym class to throw on, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when, yeah, uh, yeah. I know what you mean. The classic ones like are super a, cool. Like a penny. And then what they call them? They call them pennies. You have to put on over your over your yeah, shirt. It kind of it kind of does, does have that look. That's what it looks. Okay, so here's what I was thinking. So when I go to the All Star game, my son always wants me to bring him back All Star stuff, right? And I don't know why this went through my mind tonight, but if they don't do it the way that if they do it the way you were talking about it, the way I want to see it too, which is basically here's here's the here's the case study in. We got all these amazing players. We're going to stand up on a wall like they're about to play a pickup game. And now Giannis and LeBron, they're getting to pick their teams. And then we're going to play the game, right? How do you do the jerseys then? Well, you have one made for each team. They can't do that. Yeah, they, why not? They, because you won't, because it's because it's not authentic to the, what happened in the game. Like, those jerseys are a relic of what happened in the game. Oh, you can, you know. Who you played for. Is it yeah, reversible? Sure. It might as well be reversible. It, it looks like anyway. <laughs> I mean, you they're not going to be able to make these on site. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I know, but they can make one one for each team. They're not going to make one jersey for each team for every player. Yeah, why not? They won't do that. I'm so, saying I'm worried so, it's going to be like yours where it is done in advance. And, and that will do, not be cool. And Because when we're walking in the team store, you know how much money they make off those things? When you walk in the team store in Utah, they're going to have all those all-star jerseys up there. And they ain't going to have two for each guy. Hell, they hardly have one for each guy. It's a good point. It's a good point. But, so how but, are they going to do well, the jerseys? Well, here, here's the thing. How much money are they making from those sales in the arena compared to online? Because if they're making money from it online, you could theoretically say, go to NBA.com store now. Right after the game's about to start? You yeah. don't know what jersey they're wearing until they pick their teams, is, is what I'm well, saying. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Is like That could drive a lot of hype towards the site for online jersey sales. Like It just launched online now. 
Yeah, they sell them in advance, though. They'll start selling those things tomorrow. Well, you yeah, well, you could sell them in advance. You just don't know which one it's going to look like until they they pick it. And maybe it's reversible. Well, well, here's the thing. Cheap it up. Here's the thing, though, Chris. Like to every all the concerns we're talking about with the way they're going to do that. I hope they don't pick in advance. Whatever way they whatever they have to do to make it work, it it won't be cool unless it's authentic. Where they're picking the team on the court live, and you see the the immediate reactions from the players. You see the disgust on the face of Sabonis when he's left to you know last. Like, that's what I want to see. If these guys know which team they're going to go to and it's just about walking in the, where you already know, like, that's not cool. That's not like it is at the park. Yeah, and they're also, yeah, the humiliation of it all. Well, that's what it should be like. Yeah. Oh, And then that player goes out and has a big game. That's what it you, should be. Could you imagine if they would have gotten down to the end and James Harden and Rudy Gobert are standing there <laughs> and there's that image for the rest of time? I know, right? Yeah. I mean, well, go, well, Gobert won't have to worry about it this year. He's not making the team. Yeah, that's fair. But those uh, those two guys are just standing there. I don't oh, I know. know. I mean, look, it was well, bad enough. I know, on TV. I know, I know. But like that image doesn't have to be a negative. That image can be. Oh, remember when he was picked last in the first live All Star draft, and then he went out and scored twenty five points and won All Star game MVP. Like that's what it could be. Yeah, because in your way of doing it, with, with the way you're talking about, there is going to be like a last pick. Yes, there. Well, there always is the last pick, it and, just, and, it, was, and it was just done on camera, split screen style before. And it feels well, and it was just their name on a on yeah, a, and board. that means and that means nothing. The actual walking across the court to your team. Yes, I don't. They won't let that happen. They, I don't think better, they, they, I know they, that's what they we want. better let it happen. I know that's, that's what authenticity. We want. I know. I don't think they. I think you're probably onto something. They're gonna do the teams. They'll pick the teams in advance, and then they stage this thing because that's the that's the only way they that's the only way they would be able to make the jerseys. And that's worse than the way it used to be. Yeah, you're right. I agree. And and, and by the way, if they do do it that way, maybe I'll stay corrected. But if they do it that way, we at least need to see the video footage afterwards. Just like with the NBA draft lottery, where they show the bouncing balls in the private room. They released that on YouTube at NBA.com after the live drawing where they, you know, they bring out the image of the team logo on the out of the envelope, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like they, we got to at least see what really happened when the vote happened or the lottery balls were bouncing around, you know? You want to see said Trey Young. No, it's, it's, I, I want to see the, <laughs> I want to see the drama. I want to hear the oohs and ahs of the crowd and the players. I want to see the players kind of whispering in the air of LeBron or Giannis saying, oh, pick this guy, pick that guy. That That's what it's like when you're at the park and you're picking teams together. It's like a strategy, like, okay, who should I pick? You're looking down, you're making I know they're. I don't think they're going to either, but they should. That's all I'm saying. They should, and if they don't, they're missing a big opportunity. I agree. I agree with you. Uh, anyways, all right, we started with this Boston-New York by, by the way, Chris, if you're yeah. last... You're an all-star. Absolutely. Deal with it. That's right. I mean, I don't know. It's all relative, Kevin. You could say that. You could say, hey, uh, you're the first girl that got kicked off that dating show, but you were on the show. You know what I mean? Like, it's still, yeah, no, that's, it's still, it is. Yeah, but that's not the all-star game. That's It's all relative. You're still, uh, come on. These guys all have pride. I know. Well, right. Sometimes you got to swallow it. 
Fair enough. We started with that Boston-New York game. The day kind of began with a New York story. For people that have not watched this, that listen to us, you got to go watch. Any any NBA fan or non-NBA fan, you got to go watch this thing that took place on Good Day New York with James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, going on there and talking about Madison Square Garden, their use of facial recognition technology. Kicking out fans at, at Madison Square Garden, Radio City Music Hall. Like there's yeah. been a couple stories. Ethan Strauss on Substack. There's a, a story weeks prior to that about a woman in, you know, being pulled away from her family and friends because she works for like an attorney's office or something like that. And that's that was with a Girl Scout troop at yes. Radio City Music Hall, yep. which is owned by the same group because she is part of a law firm that has a lawsuit against uh, MSG. And so anyways, this wild-ass interview on Good Day New York includes James Dolan like just acting like the facial recognition thing is absolutely no big deal. Basically said, who cares? Like, you, you're, you're at the game. You don't care about these random people. <laughs> and uh, for those that uh, don't know the backstory on this, People that have even like commented online about James Dolan or posted something on Facebook. Like there's a guy who is routinely stopped when he goes into Madison Square Garden. This was in Ethan's article. Because he commented, sell the team. On James Dolan's band's <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. JD so, and the straight shots. <laughs> so somewhat. So so he found the guy that commented on his band's Facebook page and got the facial recognition technology to go off and alert security, basically, when that guy walks in the arena. And then they don't kick him out, but they talk to him and let him know, we know you're here. Yeah, we're monitoring you. So, yep. And so this idea that the guy is using this technology to exact revenge against his enemies. And meanwhile, you know, there's all this New York state law stuff that goes on with it and whether they can use it or not. And so he just blows that off completely and then goes into this whole idea that they are threatening because he's using this stuff, his liquor license. And he says, we'll just do away with liquor for a night and we'll post the picture of the CEO that's in charge of this and say, oh, you wish you had a drink? Well, call this guy. And like on Good Day New York holds up a picture of the guy with the email, the phone number. The, I'm like, oh, my God, this is bananas. And he just honestly, it struck me as a guy that has absolutely no idea how he is perceived. Like, I've always thought that he, like, kind of knows he's not liked. I think he knows he's not liked, Chris. He knows. That's why this is he's doing all of this. You think so? I feel like he, when he talks, it feels like he's, like, kind of 
on the fan side and I'm doing it for Knicks and Rangers fans. And what kind of like we're all in this together, fighting the good fight against these bureaucrats that just want to get clicks and attention and everything else. And it's like it it almost like comes out, you know, as to he tries to talk like like I'm on your side type of stuff. To me, that's how it kind of comes off. And that's what I'm saying. Like, and obviously guys like that are surrounded by people that refuse to tell them the truth of how this looks. It's bananas, man. I I I I couldn't believe it, honestly. It, it's like one of those like those stories you hear about like these like you want to believe like everything you read, right? This guy's awful. This guy's evil. This guy's malicious. This guy's out to get people. And you have the opportunity to like. I, I I don't really have some. I haven't watched a million James Dolan interviews. I know what happened with Charles Oakley. I know with this facial recognition. I know all the stories about him, but. Even then, you see the guy get interviewed and you can be like, ah, no, I don't believe that. He's a, he's faking it. He's really a dirtbag deep down. But like, he doesn't come off likable in the least. That's what I'm saying. Like, usually guys can like fake it, even if they're bad guys. You know what I mean? Like, you trying to think of, well, this is not going to look, even if, I don't know if you ever saw, and I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw part of it. Where, like, Oliver Stone did that whole bit with Vladimir Putin. Like, Vladimir Putin might be the worst person ever. But you wouldn't know from watching that. Like, you know what I mean? He knows how to comport himself in an interview to where you wouldn't sit there and watch and go, oh, my God, it's the worst person ever. Like, because he's doing this interview. Whereas James Dolan, it's quite clear he is a petty it's tyrant. So, it's so incredibly clear that this guy's the worst dude ever. He he's he's a tyrant owner who yeah. is is trying to stop selling alcohol at his his events just so he can continue making a point about spying on the paying fans that go to those arenas. And, and so what I'm trying to say, like just so I'm clear, he's worse publicly doing an interview than Vladimir Putin was when I saw <laughs> I didn't I didn't watch that immediately and be like, this is the worst person in the world. I'm like, you know, it made some sense when he said that, you know. It's like, this guy, I'm watching it and I'm like, is this dude serious? Like, who is I, this guy? This guy is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I can't believe how he's acting. And then just defending these actions crazy it's also goofy all of it oh man yeah i mean i I think i wonder i wonder with the nba there because they they would not say anything publicly um when ethan wrote that story on his Substack house of strauss a couple weeks back you know he asked for comments on the story that was about to be released and michael bass said to them There is no league-wide prohibition on facial recognition security technology unless its use conflicts with local laws. So that was the the stance the NBA League office took on it. I wonder how they privately actually feel about Dolan's actions over the last year or so with that technology. And I wonder if also they have concerns about how if this spreads to all 30 teams and what it could mean for fans and what they're going to be able to do with games. Who knows? Yeah. I'm sure. sure. Hey, hey, look, we're never going to be allowed there. (laughs) 
<laughs> we just we spoke his name. Well, I'm sure at some point, Ad, like inevitably, Adam Silver will get asked about it. Like at one of those, whether it's All Star Weekend or the NBA Finals, I would assume at some point Silver gets asked about it. And and, as, you know, and look, yeah. and let me just say this: so I'm not taking out of context. I ain't saying this guy's a horrible dictator murderer. He's not. I'm saying he interviews worse than one. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who listens to this knows exactly <laughs> what you meant. Uh, I'm, right. sure, I'm sure, I'm sure man, like it's very possible I could get taken out of context. But <laughs> any, anybody who actually listens to the show knows what you meant. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. We got some stuff to talk about. So we talked about Joel Embiid snubbed from All-Star starting. Well, his team has been great recently. That Philly team has caught a wave, Kevin. And now you look up and it is Boston in one and Philly in two. And it does feel like one of those. You and I were both very, very high on them. Loved their roster turnover that they had pulled off in the offseason. And it seemed like now They've gotten everybody healthy. They've figured out how to play together. Boy, if they've got Maxi as a super sixth, that is just such a huge card to be able to play nightly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he is, you know I love Maxi. Maxi is good enough to be starting on Lord knows how many teams. I get it, the backcourt pairing with him and Harden is not one that is tenable defensively. And so there are better options or better mixes for that. That being said, the luxury of being able to bring that guy off and in many cases, I mean, he could just destroy second units by himself. And they've kind of figured it out. They figured out, you know, a good mix. They figured out how to play together. And... You know, the team that we thought they were going to be, that's what they look like now. I've been mega impressed with them. What do you think about the evolution of James Harden, Chris? You know, you've been the anti-Harden for many years now. What do you think about his role in, in really fueling their success as a point guard for this team? There is nothing you can say. I mean, the guy's shooting 45% from the field. He's 39% from three, and he's you know, 11 11 assists a game, I think it is, right yeah. now. Um, he's been absolutely awesome, and he's clearly taken a backseat to MB. You know, that was one of the things at the beginning of the season. It was like, is it a big James night or is it a big Embiid night? Like, it, they, yeah, I will give him credit because he is clearly second banana. That thing's going to ride or die with MB. We'll see in the playoffs. And you know, because MB has had some flame outs. Harden obviously is known 
for flameouts, but like there's no question who the number one guy on that team is. And that was one of the things that we didn't know, especially when they're trying to like figure it all out. Last year, then he went out and then he was hurt. And then this year at the beginning of the season, it was like you'd have a big James game, then you'd have a big Embiid game. And then like it's Embiid's team. And Harden just fell in line on that. Um, I've been super impressed, super impressed. He's been playmaking. Um, you know, he's still not a plus defender by any means, but just for a guy that has been a number one, um, you know, we saw glimpses of it for a minute where he was taking a backseat to the guys in Brooklyn, certainly Durant in Brooklyn, but then he seemed unhappy with his plight there. And I, you know, I, I can't, I don't know what his level of happiness is right now, but I imagine as long as they keep on winning games, uh, all's well that ends well, you know, with, with him being second banana on the team and averaging 21 points, but getting you 11 assists every night. Yeah, I think he's been very good. Very good. Yeah, I mean, he's been excellent. And, and the, the supporting cast around him as well, like you mentioned Tyrese Maxey coming off the bench, but, you know, whether it's George's Niang, uh, Shake Milton, you got Thibel out there getting some minutes, DeAnthony Melton, former Grizzly, who you saw really shine in Memphis, uh, 19 points the other night against Brooklyn, shot maker, active defensively, versatile. You know, the, the supporting cast around Harden and Bede and Maxey is... You know, it checks basically every box you could ask for from this team. And I think for them, it, it like the Harden and Bede pick and roll, that's really the foundation of their half-court offense. Harden and Bede pair up for the pick and roll more than any other combination in the whole NBA, according to tracking data on second spectrum. They dominate the way teams typically defend them with drop coverage, sometimes up the touch, you know, icing those pick and rolls. What's going to have to change for them in the postseason is when teams switch. And that's going to really answer the question of whether the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be an NBA Finals team or whether they're going to be a team that flames out in the second round or the conference finals or whenever they face a team like Milwaukee or Boston that is going to switch every single pick and roll between Harden and Embiid. Right now, if you look statistically, they are not performing significantly better against switches than they did last season when they were just developing chemistry with each other. However, though, it's still early. Teams aren't switching a lot against them right now. And with the supporting cast, I think they still have the upside to become a deadly team if teams end up switching against them. So it's just something to monitor because um, teams aren't doing that a heck of a lot against them right now. But that's going to be the key for postseason success. But as of now, um, everything's clicking. And then we'll also see, in addition to that, when you're talking about them switching, there's going to be the extra attention and the clamp down making life harder for those two. Can these guys live up to the averages that they're shooting now? Because these the the three-point numbers, you get a lot of open threes playing with Harden and Embiid, and the three-point numbers are unbelievable. Maxi, 40%. Harris, 38%. Melton, 39%. Milton, 38%. George Niang, 42%. Uh, you even go down to Tucker, he's 39%. Like they, a house, 35%. Like they don't even have, these guys are all shooting pretty good percentages. And it's like, that's, that's the trick. When you get to the playoffs, you know, those, those open threes, are those guys going to be as reliable as their percentages have been 
thus far. Because we've seen that happen a lot, where it's like, well, that guy, man, it's crazy. That guy hadn't, he hadn't been making any threes during this playoff series, he, and he shot 40% throughout the year, and he just can't find, you know, it's a different, it's a different level, and they got a bunch of guys that have been knocking it down with tremendous consistency. For sure. I mean, they're fourth in the NBA in three-point percentage right now. And like they're, they shoot near the middle of the league in terms of volume and in terms of attempts. Uh, you know, for Philadelphia, they, they get quality shots and they make a heck of a lot of them. Well, and that's how you open those guys up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and actually, it's a perfect segue because it leads into what we watched last night between the Warriors and the Grizzlies. And one of the things that I have talked about a lot with the Memphis team is these are the kind of games that are incredibly revealing. Much like what the Knicks went through tonight in that Boston game, they had a 12-point lead, I think it was, with five minutes left to go. Uh, Memphis has a nine-point lead with five minutes left to go. And then they get outscored, like, whatever it was, 20-9 to in the last five minutes of the game. And it's, here's... These, this is a kind, that, that's what playoff basketball looks like. You're going to have to be able to score. You're going to be able to score in the half court. And when John Morant drives in and three guys can collapse on him and his choice is either throw a lob to Brandon Clark or try to finish against three guys because the only guy on the team that you can throw it out to and reliably count on a shot being made from long range is Desmond Bain and he's being face guarded. It's like that then becomes revealing. What do you need? Because that's that's the exact kind of thing that happens in the playoffs. And it's just like what we were just talking about with Philadelphia, right? When they when they're inevitably going to collapse on an Embiid or a Harden, is George Niang going to make them pay for doing that? Is DeAnthony Melton going to make them pay for doing that? Is name the guy, right? The others. Because those are the guys that get open shots. And that's where the Grizzlies have a deficiency. Is when you get into the half court and a team is sells out on Morant and now it's like we're gonna we're staying home on Bain. Who are the other ones that are gonna make you pay for doing that? And it's not Zaire Williams, and it's not the group of a bunch of young veteran or young players on the team. Hopefully, Danny Green can help that situation. But it's very instructive. That was the, the, gri- the great- Grizzlies. Ha- the Grizzlies have the twenty sixth ranked half court offensive rating. That's right. that's worrisome. It's because they don't have shooting. You know, that's that's one of the the remake of this Philly team is that they got these guys are all shooting and they're making shots. They make open shots. They don't have anybody except for Desmond Bain. How much of it is shooting versus like there's a possession in that game against Golden State where Ja dribbled the ball for 15 seconds without initiating a play? For sure. How much of it is just on Ja with his management down the end of those the end of the clock with those games? It, no, he's still work in progress, and uh, and I am a fan of them playing in these close games because they honestly have had it too. They've had it very easy. They, they've killed people all year long. I mean, I can't tell. I, I bet I went a month and a half without seeing a close game. Truly. Like, there was at least a six-week stretch where there might have been, like, a game that went down to, like... Because those are the revealing ones. That's when you find out what you've really got. And if you want to be able to beat a Golden State, 
which is obviously what Memphis wants to do and Golden State wants not to happen, like, make every excuse in the world, like, you just saw what it takes in order to beat them. And you you had them down nine with five minutes left to go, and you still couldn't do it. So something is, something's got to give. And I do think that it will be an agent for change. I mean, I, th- I don't think you're, I- I've said from the very beginning, I thought they were going to make a move. And I don't think that they will, when it comes playoff time, I don't think they're going to be going in with the wing rotation you see now. I think there's a collection of assets, a bunch of good young players. Those aren't win now players. If you're trying to win now, or even last night for that matter, you got to have a different selection than that. So about a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I, I argued with you about Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi being a target for Memphis. How, how much do you yeah, think? Yeah, I they, don't know they... why. So look, I from the, at the beginning of the season, Kevin, I said I've coveted OG Ananobi. I know. From, I know. I know. Since I'm just the off season, I know. The but, Siakam but, but, but stuff. I don't know why. Okay, that fine. Keeps... All right. Okay, but it was the price. You said you wouldn't give up three firsts or whatever for OG. No, three first round draft picks. I'm just saying, why not? I I cuz I don't think that's the price. That's not role player price, bro. And you he's can say pretty, whatever you want. He, he's a role he's player. A, he's a he's a pretty high-end role player. But he's a role player. He, that's what OG, he is. OG, OG is a true building block. He he's the fourth leading shot taker <laughs> on the team. If he's on Memphis. He's not taking more shots than Morant, Bain or Jackson. Over the course of the next five yeah, years. Yeah, I know, but he's he's an elite defensive player. He's a 37% shooter from three. He can make plays off the bounce, attacking closeouts, making the smart pass. Absolute perfect fit. I love it. Yeah. But why not? So why not give three firsts for 25-year-old OG Ananobi? Who Again. Is, who fits the timeline of your young squad that has championship upside. Like, why do you, why do you want to lose in the second round? Again, we've got a league to worry about. And I'm not trying to be Rudy Gobert trading. You don't give up three first rounders for role players, bro. You okay, don't. So, all right, so let Golden State get him for Wiseman, Kaminga, oh and two firsts. They're not. Oh. And watch them win another title. For goodness sakes. I'm not getting him for Wiseman, Kaminga, and two firsts. What are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> like, what, what do you think you're going to get OG for then? Oh, my God. What are we talking about here? So the Grizzlies shouldn't give up three firsts. We're not talking but- about Kevin Durant. Talk about OG and Anobi, who I, I know, love, I know. but you, it's just gotten extreme. Like, bro, <laughs> and, and maybe it is, and may, maybe I'm crazy. What? I'm I'm speaking from the standpoint of this is what people around the league are saying. The Raptors are expecting. They there's the Toronto Star said there was a three first round picks from a mystery team reported reportedly offered for OG and Anobi. Whether that's just, you know, public negotiating a leverage play by the Raptors front office, or whether it's three crappy picks. Who knows the actual truth there behind it? I've checked in with league sources about it. A lot of mixed opinions there. But the reality is, is that the Raptors are saying they're not going to make a move until deadline week and that their price is as high as many people have reported. Three picks, three young players. They want a lot to move OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. So if, if they stand by that, if they dig their heels in the ground and say, no, we, we're not BSing here. We're just not going to make a trade unless we get that. What I'm saying is, would you meet that demand to get an OG and an OB? If the answer is no, then it's no. I, I don't. I I agree. I would rather not give up three first round picks for OG and an OB. But if that is indeed the price, 
Would you with do the way that with the way they draft the Grizzlies? It's that insane. is, it's insane. I know, I know, Chris. But at the same time, windows can shut sooner than you ever expect. And and I'm not saying that like I'm saying that because we've seen Ja have some scares. Let's just be honest. I know he's only 23, but he's had some scares. Okay, everybody thought Derrick Rose was going to last forever too, and he didn't. It's okay, not how like, you can play. You, that's not how you can plan, though. Okay, I know, but the Grizzlies are knocking on the door of a championship right now, Chris. They have a guy that you say should be the defensive player of the year, and Jaron Jackson Jr. They have a guy who's a clear All Star in John Morant. They have good role players. You should be all in in trying to win a title now. Why would you not? I don't think that it's going to be an issue. I think that they're going to make moves. Okay, you're asking me about a very all specific, right. which is. Do you, sure. If I'm giving up three first round picks in any deal, I'm getting a star. Who do you who do you want them to get then? Like, what well, who's the your target? That's the price of a star. I would love to get Ananobi. But who's your top target besides Ananobi? Like, is there a guy that you have in mind? You're like, I want the Grizzlies to get this guy, and I feel good about our title chances. And don't if tell me Jay Crowder. If, if it's true, if it's true that Bogdanovich can be had for a unprotected first, I would do that in two seconds. Okay, I'm with you. Totally. Two seconds. Uh, and I would do that before like, I the wouldn't OG. even. I would, it yeah. would take me literally two seconds to okay. do that deal. <laughs> I would have done it yesterday. Yeah, all right, now let, let's say th- theoretically the Pistons get three separate offers from three different teams. One of them is offering a first in like three future seconds. Would you be willing to do that? Sure. Okay, all right, I mean, just asking. It, it, just it, just asking. Got, but just they've asking. got se- they've got seven second round picks, so yeah. those are like I know just just asking, me, not a big deal. yes. I mean, I, uh, so you wanted another name. There's another name that is okay. a bang uh, knockdown shooter. Mm-hmm. You throw it out to him, a veteran guy can guard his position, knockdown. And, and that's the knock against OG. He's a 37% three-point shooter, but he's not... He's a, not knocked down. He's not 40-plus percent on a higher volume like Boyan Bogdanovich. So it's very possible the best fit for Memphis might not be the guy yeah, who's most, most expensive. I, I want any of those guys I could throw it out to. Like, and I'm just talking about space on the floor and crunch time. Anybody I could throw the ball out to, and I would be... I'd, bro, I'd pull up the best shooters in the NBA, and I'd go through them. And I'd say, can I get this guy? Can I get this guy? And I'm not talking Duncan Robinson and his years remaining $19 million contract. That's dead. I'd, I'll give you a, and this is going to be a crazy one because uh, he doesn't play all that much, but like the Luke Kennards of the world, those kind of guys, you just need guys that can, you throw it out to him, you don't want that dude shooting an open three. You don't want it happening. Like that kind of, I mean, I want shooters. I got to be able to, I mean, yes, I want them to be able to guard their position. But they need some more shooting. And hopefully Danny Green, who has been a great three-point shooter on a catch-and-shoot guy for the length of his career, can help them dramatically. He's supposed to come back next week. But you can't put it all on Danny Green. No, of course not. He's, come on. He's, he's 40, coming off a major. 48 years old. Yeah, off a 30, major injury. He's actually 35. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I was, but, I'm exaggerating. No, he's younger than I thought he was. I feel like he's been around for a hundred years, hmm. but somebody else too. But yeah, I lo- I love OG. I love Bogdanovich. I like you know. I said I think you could throw the ball out too, and I would feel like oh, all right, that's going in. Well, I'm I'm rooting for you to make a move, the Grizzlies to make a move. I'm rooting for somebody to make a big move. 
I, I want to see somebody go all in. The window's open. I think you're going to see a lot of teams try to go in because mm-hmm. it's open, because it feels open. I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be a much better trade deadline than people think it's going to be. It's very possible. Well, one of those that we got a little hint on is the Phoenix thing. Because it's Matt Ishba, Ishbia? Ishbia. Ishbia. Who's taking over. He's going to take over before the trade deadline. So that gives a little bit of clarity to the direction that Phoenix is going to go. Knowing that that's going to take place and there's going to be a, you know, the power is going to change over. Now, you know, there's not that weirdness of, are we doing this because of the owner we have now who's not supposed to be running the team, but obviously still has power and all his people are kind of still employed? Or are we making these moves? Or are we just kind of in a holding pattern until the changeover of power. Now that Ishbia is going to take over, wouldn't you imagine a new owner who's got his new prized possession? He's going to be super aggressive and, and and allow James Jones to make the moves that he wants to make. You know he doesn't... Look, first order of business is the Crowder thing. I ain't trying to pay a luxury tax for 10 million bucks that ain't playing for me. So that's going to get resolved. And it'll get resolved... Uh, probably sooner than later, now that the changeover of power is coming soon. Um, and then we'll see, but I would not be surprised if Phoenix is very aggressive because of that. You know, new owners always want. He's going to want to win. He's not going to want to be a 500 team. He ain't trying to spend that kind of money for a 500 team. And so I think you probably encourage them to be more aggressive than if it had stayed the same way. How about how about Jay Crowder, Dario Saric for OG in and OB, and you send them three first round picks if you're the Suns? Would you do that if you're Phoenix, Chris? <laughs> would I you mean, do it if you're the Suns? I I don't. I mean, I would be worried about you'd be you'd be, you'd be sweating balls as a Grizzlies fans and, and if the if the Suns got OG in and OB, or if the no, Mavs, wait, 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 if, the, if the Mavs look, got OG in and OB, you, you'd be so scared. The Ananobi stuff has gone bananas now. I, I think you're, I, I think you're underrating OG personally. I, I, I was like I was like a fan of him <laughs> uh, before, and like somehow people talk about him. It's become why he's not Jalen Brown, bro. I know, but like, I know he's. I know he's not. But I. But you I think talk about him like I would. That'd be sweating bullets nobody, if somebody nobody. got him. Like this <laughs> no. is just fucking stupid. I wouldn't be telling you, <laughs> oh, you're winning a title if the Grizzlies yeah, got him. Yeah, I wouldn't you, be sweating bullets if someone else got him. He's one of the best defensive players in basketball. He's okay. versatile. He's a guard stopper. He's a wing stopper. He's then active why aren't ball. they good? Because they're not good for a lot of different reasons. Because We're if talking, somebody I know, gets Fred VanVleet, you'll such, be that's hey, such no, a no, out You'll be jerking off <laughs> if somebody gets Fred VanVleet. You'll be jerking off if somebody gets Siakam. You'll be jerking off if somebody got Scotty Barnes. You'll be jerking off to get any of these other guys. This is and a yet, lot of jerking. Some, but somehow, all together, they're not any good. <laughs> they got all these awesome players that have value to the moon, but they can't win. Figure that out. Uh, uh, the, the Raptors roster, according to the media, is worth 
700,000 first <laughs> okay. round picks. All right. We're talking about but they one. They can't win. We're talking about one player going Gary into Trent a, a different. Jr. Hey, I bet they don't, God forbid, don't let him get him. I'd be, I'd be quaking in my boots. Chris, we're, talking, got him. we're talking about one player in a completely different context. We're not talking about the Raptors context of their collective. We're talking simply about if the Mavs or the Grizzlies or the Suns, one of these West teams were to add one of the... If, if, okay. All right. Fine. He's helpful to them. Okay. All right. But let's step back and like it's... I, I think I think adding one of the best defensive players in the league would be oh pretty God. big deal. I just I went do. through this with yeah. listening to people talk about Rui Hachimura. <laughs> Rui Hachimura is not like in the same breath. Oh, well, they do. They, you wouldn't have known that. You wouldn't have known that. That was I. I saw it. Championship piece. Ru, Rui was really good. The Are other they night. now the favorite? Like Jesus Christ! They got Rui Hachimura. They didn't get Kevin Durant. I know that that's just Lakers media stuff, though. Like, like, <laughs> like, like the, all the Lakers fans and all that. That's just playing to fans. That's all. I understand. Like, like, I mean, the Lakers, of course, like Wizards fans are going to be disgusted. Like, Rui had a good game for the Lakers. He's had good games for the Wizards, but the Wizards stuff, nobody talks about it. But yes, of course, they talk about it with his debut when they had this massive front court with AD, LeBron, and Rui Hachimura. Looked versatile defensively. They were big. They had shooting on the floor. Rui played really well in his debut. That's that's undeniable. He, he shut down the Japanese NBA stream. Yeah. Shut it down. Amazing. Find me another guy that can do that. Uh, we're going to have a lot going on coming up over the course of the next couple of weeks. Just first-round picks throwing around everywhere. I hope to God OG's one of them. Oh, God. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sake. I, I want to I talk about that trade with Chris Vernon. It might be to Memphis. You don't mm -hmm. know. They might not get rid of him. Didn't you just, you reported they're not going to get rid of him. Who, OG? Right? No, I, I still didn't report they're not going to get rid of him. They're just less likely to get rid of him. Yeah, than Gary Trent and... And Fred Van Vliet, yeah. Gary Trent could knock down shots. Yeah. Malik Beasley can knock down shots. There's a lot of guys I think that are out there that can, you know what I mean? That's what mm -hmm. you need. It's not a, it's not necessarily always about the individual player, but how that individual player fits. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's a exactly, that's the reason yes. I've always been high on Ananobi is because he fits mm -hmm. like a glove with yeah. what Memphis has as a three. And if I didn't have to watch Dylan Brooks play basketball again, I'd I mean, th there's a bonus to that. Maybe I'd give every first round pick for the rest of my life. I enjoyed your pod with Bill the other day, Bill and House. I'm, I'm glad Bill mentioned that we're going to be doing a live show in Memphis. It's exciting. And, and then they posted on Instagram. I'm like, this is real. I thought yeah. for sure that they would not actually come. They're yeah. coming, bro. And then, and then you and me are doing a show in LA earlier in March. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll have more We're taking the show about, on the road. Yeah. We're like, yeah. uh, who? Who takes the show? Like Fish. They still traveling. <laughs> they still doing yeah, stuff. <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, that's what we're gonna be like. Mm -hmm. We're gonna be like yeah. fish, except yeah. you're the only one with drugs. <laughs> no, that's not true. I I I, I, I don't I, have drugs. I don't. Not, it's it's not I true. I don't have any drugs. I have not. I have not used any marijuana since August. What? No, I, you didn't believe me in the tweet. No, Kevin O'Cannabis is. It's true. You've, you've abandoned your name. No. 
Man. I'm on a, I'm on a long tolerance break. And also, it's just... Oh, the so then thing. it can be so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it because I want to. Well, no, I'm I mean, doing it, it. It, it's also just a part of like some overall lifestyle changes. I've worked out every single day for 31 straight days. What? You know, whether it's like, you know, I've done, I've done the bike every day over those 31 days. Sometimes like a 45 minute, sometimes a 10 minute, but every day working out, doing resistance bands, hit training. You're Peloton, right? Peloton, yeah, I love it. It's awesome. I love it. Do you have it's a great. favorite instructor? Um, like- I like I like Dennis Morton. I like Charlotte. Um, yeah, those are my two favorites. Alex is pretty good as well for like a kind of a harder workout. Do you have Peloton friends? No, but I would. I would be happy to add some. Are well, you on you Peloton, would- Chris? I no, I don't have Peloton. Yeah. But I, I didn't know how it worked. You can't see anybody else, can you? I have no no. Like you, you see people on the side when you're when you're you know in a workout. You can see the names of other 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 usernames. You don't know their real name. You and there's no the like video of you. No, okay. no, I no. Gotcha. I didn't know if it was like a virtual you know like yeah. thing like where everybody's picture like you know yeah. was up on a board. It's pretty good. I mean, I I did this awesome workout with Dennis Morton the other day where the last song was crawling. By Lincoln Park, you know that song? Yeah, I know it. Oh, it's intense. I mean, the ending, my heart was pumping, probably harder than it's ever been. They get the meter on there. <laughs> this guy, Kevin O'Cyclist. It feels good. You got them little weird now. shoes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like you do. Clip on. Yeah, they clip on. Yeah, Kevin O'Clip yeah. clip on. <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> All right. All right. Enough jerking off talk. All right. It's time to. <laughs> <laughs> there's Time a, there's a lot of it this episode. Thank, yeah, thankfully, we didn't get to talk about Killian Hayes. Oh, why? You don't want to talk about it? <laughs> I need him. No, I need him around. I need him around forever. Yeah. He is the only player in the NBA less efficient than Dylan Brooks. And so Dylan's not <laughs> number one. He's not I mean, number one. <laughs> Killian is number one. I think Killian will surpass him soon. I, I didn't no, he has. Him. No, he's number one. No, Dylan is number two. No, I'm saying Killian will, Killian will move, you know, I guess behind him then, you know. You mean he'll become more efficient? Yeah, Killian is trending up. Oh, I doubt that. He's trending up since early November. I doubt that. And, I need and by, Killian. And by around. the way, I didn't see any of the game tonight. I saw zero of the Nets-Pistons game, but the Pistons won. Killian came off the bench. He had 16 points, <gasps> 6 of 12 from the field. A good game for Killian. He's been trending up, Chris, since I, I since saw early it, was a, it was a Sadiq Bay night, though, right? It, it was. But we don't need to talk about Sadiq Bay. Why? You don't like him? Oh, I like Sadiq Bay, but we're talking about Killian Hayes. I like Killian. He might be available. I kind of like Sadiq Bay. Yeah, Sadiq Bay's solid. I like him. Jalen Duran's the guy I really like. Ever probably, since, but, but honestly, like if you get Sadiq Bay, you probably got to give up ten first rounders. Ever, ever him, since right? your your guy Marvin Bagley's been out, we've seen Dur- <laughs> Duran play <laughs> play more consistent minutes. He's damn good, dude. Like already, how many first rounders does it take to get Sadiq Bay? Like a hundred. <laughs> he had a fifty point game last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. on Super Bowl Sunday, no. Yeah, OG hasn't had fifty. No, nope, he certainly has. Kevin, it's always a pleasure. Thanks to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. I will talk to you next week. Have a good weekend.